It is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, today is a day where we celebrate really the birth of the church. Um, you may not recognize that, um, but we are a Pentecostal church, and just so you know, we're normal. <laughs> Come on now. We're normal, everyday people who love Jesus and are passionate about Him, but have experienced um, something with the Holy Spirit that's changed our lives. Uh, today, when you came in, hopefully you received uh, one of these uh, magazines here called Pentecostals, and just all throughout are just different articles um, throughout this entire uh, magazine that talk about the Holy Spirit and talk about the power of the Holy Spirit activated in our lives. It talks about a heavenly prayer language. It talks about people who have been healed of stage four cancer. Come on now. Um, it talks about just what God does when his people will take him at his word. I love it. I was talking with Peg uh, earlier. She's here with us this morning, and come on now. And um, Peg was like, listen, Pastor Brian, I just want you to remind the church, man, God does heal. And I am standing upon that, and I'm believing that God is, is healing my body, and that God is touching me. And, and here's what I, I know, is that God does heal. And God is faithful to heal, and we can walk in that promise, and we can walk in that understanding. Because why? Because everything's new. Everything's been made new in our lives. And uh, yet, so many times as we look across our, our landscape um, of our culture, to that of politics, to that of just um, even the local dynamics here, what you'll see is many times is you'll find this strife that seems to be rising up. In some ways, there's one side that will maybe say, hey, you know, you have to be tolerant of all these things, but then yet there's another side that can say, no, we're not tolerant of that, and you see this clashing that's happening on so many fronts, and yet the church has always been called to be people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, here's some of the things that happen. One is, is that your life is different. You no longer walk and talk and act the same way. Now, the problem is, is sometimes we get out of walking in the spirit and we get into walking in the flesh come on now and and what happens is this culture around us is confused because they look at it and they say wait I thought you were supposed to be walking in the spirit that seems more like you're walking in the flesh and what we have to do is as people of God is we have to recognize when we walked in the flesh and we need to immediately in that moment call it for what it is I'm sorry I was walking in the flesh. That's not what God has called me to do. I apologize for that. That is not who I am. No, I've been bought. My price has been paid. God has already taken care of those things. And what would happen is, is if the church would start owning up to our mistakes, no one expects us to be perfect. They just expect us to be honest. And the problem is, is so many times we're walking in this false humility out there, like somehow, like you and God are so close together that nothing ever happens. I mean, your farts smell great. I mean, like everything. It's like, it's, that's a horrible example. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just, it just came to my mind in that moment, and sometimes it just comes out. See, that was me walking in the flesh right there. That was a flesh moment. That was a junior high boy moment right there. I've got boys at home. And uh, Jordan hasn't been home long enough to influence that other side of that. So I apologize. See, here we go. Walking in the flesh. That was not a spirit moment. I do not think the Lord asked me to say it that way in that moment, okay? But it is interesting how he uses our lives in moments to begin to allow us to recognize what it means to be people who walk in the spirit. 
see, you can see the divide happening, whether blue versus red or rich versus poor or, or the divide, you know, just seems to be growing more and more every day. And as we see this moral decay happening around our culture and across the, the landscape of our culture, what we need to see is the church that is being called to rise. You and I are being called to rise. You and I are being called to a place of unity. You and I are being called to a place of spiritual awakening. The world is hungry for an awakening. The world is hungry for a spiritual awakening. Look at all the things that are out there right now that are presenting themselves as, as these spiritually awakened moments. Can I tell you, our culture is hungry for that. What they're not hungry for is what I just mentioned. They're not hungry for hypocrisy. They're not hungry for people who say one thing but act differently this way. We have to be people who are walking in the Spirit of Christ, the, allowing the Holy Spirit to empower our lives so that we're different. I love how Billy Graham um, said it back in 1952 during an hour of power, our um, moment, this hour of decision. He said this, he said it this way. He said, I'm absolutely convinced that no matter who's elected, America is not going to be saved unless we have a moral and spiritual revival. No nation has ever improved morally without a revival. Last week we prayed for President Trump and we prayed for him and we prayed for the office that he holds. We didn't pray for him to make a political stance. We prayed for him because we believe this, that as our leaders across our nation, whether Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever, it doesn't matter. As they have an encounter with Jesus, we know that that will change everything. It has never been about a political party. And stop, church, stop confusing politics with the gospel. There's a huge difference between the two. And our culture right now is being confused because we are aligning ourselves with certain things and we're not even thinking about what we're aligning ourselves with. We need to be aligning ourselves with what the Word of God says. We need to be aligning ourselves with what God is speaking to us through His Word. And if we'll do that, then the culture around us will begin to see a people who are walking out what they're talking. They'll see a people who are loving each other just as they're loving God. And what will happen is, is the nation around us will begin to experience, I believe, revival. You see, in order for us to come together, we must be empowered we must be empowered by the holy spirit because here's what i know across this room even in here there are so many different preferences so many different ways of how you and i think things should go and there is no way in our own ability that we could bring unity to all of this craziness but if we would be people who would be empowered by the Holy Spirit, then what would happen is, is we would begin to lay down our own desires, our own, our own way of thinking, and we would be unified together under the Spirit of God, which would then empower us to go out and do the work of the ministry. And what we would see is we would see revival happening because here's the truth. You and I are better together. 
We're better together when we actually operate in unity. We are better together. The enemy knows it. He freaks out about it. And so he's always trying to destroy unity in the church. Because a church that's unified begins to take down the gates of hell. A church that's unified begins to see a community change around them. A church that's unified becomes a, a center of a community where the community actually says, oh, what they're saying, what's happening over there actually is making a difference. We see it. They are better together. Today is the birth of the church, the day when people of various backgrounds, races, preferences came together. They began to write a new narrative that is still being written today. And listen, that narrative is not based upon the color of your skin. <laughs> we have gotten so many things confused in our culture today. The world is watching, church. The world is watching you and I, and they are longing for a community that would be better together. They're longing for a place to belong you see we are better together and, and here's what happens when we're together our influence grows when, when we're together our strength is shored up when we're together our voice begins to grow when we're together our knowledge increases when we're together our resources make a larger impact when we're together our ideas begin to spark new conversations and dreams when we're together our engagement begins to mobilize when we're together our love begins to spread today is pentecost sunday and it may not have the prominence of of advent or christmas or anything else like that you can look across the the seat there are empty seats if it was easter man it'd be packed out if it's Christmas time, it's packed out. And yet today is a day where we actually celebrate, we remember the birth of the church. I mean, if you even look through kind of just the, the different uh, church seasons, quote unquote, you got Advent, which is this idea of, of a season of anticipation. It leads into Christmas, which is a season of hope and a promise, the birth of Christ. Then it leads into the Easter season, which is the season of redemption. And then we come to Pentecost, a season of celebration. A, a season of celebrating the birth of the church, but a season also of celebrating the gift of the Holy Spirit. But yet without the event, without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, without this day that we're talking about today, Christianity would not exist today. Because without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, there's no way that it would have continued to have the influence it had. Think about it. It was entrusted to 12. From 12, it began to grow and begin to grow and have impact and continue to have impact throughout history. And it would continue to be carried on and carried on. How does that happen? How does an influence like that happen? It happens through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It happens when the church comes together and realizes that we are better together. Today we celebrate that new creation, that new life, the new beginnings. A day of celebrating when the Holy Spirit descends down from earth upon the early church. So if, if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, if you could open up to Acts chapter 2 and just kind of keep that kind of open there for a moment. Acts is, is recording really the birth of the early church. It's recording um, throughout the scriptures this moment where we see the Holy Spirit descending upon them. 
And as we read this historical account of the launch of the church, what happens is we got to recognize some of the setting. Now, it happens during the peace or, or the the feast of Pentecost. Um, now, for us right now, we're we're not Jewish people, so or many of us are not. Maybe we have a few Jews in the house, but but we don't celebrate the feast of Pentecost like many were before. Scholars would remind us that this was one of the most ancient religious festivals that we would celebrate. An early Jewish calendar, Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, was dedicated to being a people of gratitude. What were they being thankful for? They were being thankful for when the death angel passed over um, when Moses and the plagues had been sent upon the children of Israel, when, when they actually, the death angel passed over their homes. And it was a moment of thanking God for sparing their lives, thanking God for being good to them in the midst of it. It, it is a moment of acknowledging that God's blessing had been upon his people throughout all of history. God's gift to Noah and the covenant. The, the, the idea of the, even the the regular physical seasons and the beauty of the seasons. And I, I know right now, for many of our farmers, I know this has been a really tough season for you, and I just want you to know that as a team and as a staff, we've been praying for you. And we recognize the impact that um, just these current circumstances with the rain and all the things that are happening, and, and we just want you to know we're praying for you. And, and I know that, you know, can seem really tough sometimes because it's like, man, I, I, need, I just need the rain to stop. Literally this week I was praying. I was like, God, please just keep the rain. It was Wednesday. It was supposed to be coming, and all of a sudden it started showering. I was like, literally, like, God, no. Like, we do not need rain. Like, stop it. And almost like in a humorous way, I felt like the Lord was like, you can never make your mind up. Sometimes you want rain. Sometimes you don't. (laughs) And I was like, I know, but we don't need it right now. But there were the people the children of Israel were thankful for the seasons. They were thankful for what God was bringing during that. So later, Pentecost became associated with the giving of the law to Moses and, and Mount Sinai. And so there's all these different things that they were thankful for. They were thankful for God's blessings upon their life. Now, Pentecost is derived from the Greek uh, language meaning 50th. So it was 50 days from Passover that this moment happens. 50 days from the moment where God passed over and spared their children. 50 days from the moment where where a lamb was sacrificed and the blood of that lamb was placed over the door frames. And and it was this idea of God's judgment passing over them. And can I just say, that's exactly what the cross is all about. Jesus died on the cross for you and I, shed his blood for you and I, so that the judgment for our sin would pass over. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for that. Anyone make some mistakes this week even? Come on now. Could you imagine if you had to earn that? Now, I, I know some people love this idea of earning, but I'm telling you, I do not. I was not one of the kids who wanted to earn all the stickers to put on the stickers chart. I hated that. That was not motivation for me. All it was was demotivation. Other people had stickers all across. I had no stickers. Eventually, I'd be like, oh, man, I want a sticker. So what do you do? You go by the teacher's desk, you grab a sticker, you stick it up on the sticker box. <laughs> I may or may not have done that. 
It's never been about earning. I, I, I am so grateful that I don't have to earn God's love. I don't have to somehow, you know, prove myself good enough to do that. I know I say it all the time, man, but for many of us, I'm just with, there with you. Man, we're messed up, screwed up, jacked up. I mean, like, we've got, I mean, it, 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 like when you look at some of us, we're like, man, I wish I had it together like so-and-so. And you think about it, God doesn't look at you like that. He never looks at you and says, man, I wish you were more like so-and-so. He says, I paid the sacrifice. I took care of things. Jesus took care of everything for you and me. I know I asked you to turn in in Acts chapter 2, and you don't have to turn over here, but just let me kind of take you back to Moses for a minute. Exodus chapter 3 Uh, We see the Lord appearing to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Why was the Lord appearing to Moses in that way? One, it was a foreshadowing of what was to come. But God had literally saved Moses from destruction. God places him in the king's palace. God supplies for all of his needs. God gives them the life that needs to walk in. And what happens is, is Moses in a, is in a place where he has incredible influence over, over the nation, over everything that's going on. But yet in that moment, what happens is, is one day when he's out walking, he kind of gives in to his own flesh and stops walking in the spirit and sees one of the slaves being being uh, punished. And so he goes over, and, and if you know the story, I mean, he goes over and basically kills the one who was trying to hurt the, the, um, his fellow Israelite. And so Moses then freaks out. Why? Because he was walking in his flesh. So then he freaks out, goes, runs out into the wilderness, is, is trying to run away from his problems. Anyone ever tried to run away from your problems? And while he's running away from his problems, God once again reminds him, no, 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 Moses, whoa, it does not matter how bad you screw up, buddy. I still have a plan and purpose for your life. Moses argues with him, but God, I can't talk, to talk right. I, I stutter. How, how am, I, is, am I ever going to talk to people? And, and he's going through all these different things. He's giving all these excuses, and God's like, stop it. I will go with you. I will empower you. It's never been about your talents, your gifts, your status, where you grew up. It's never been about any of those things. It's always been about simply people who are willing to be vessels of saying, Holy Spirit, empower me. I will go then and do the work. That's what Pentecost is all about. It's a group of people who waited, who went and waited on the Lord and said, God, I'm going to wait. You, you said that you would send your, your promise. You said that you would send the Holy Spirit. I will wait. I will wait for you. I will wait for what you're asking me to do. And then when I'm in power, then I will go out. That encounter that Moses has is with a flame of fire that's talking to him. It says, watch this. Throw your staff down. He throws his staff down and it becomes a serpent. Put your hand on it, grab it by the tail, it becomes a staff. Put your hand in your cloak, pulls it out, leprosy. All these different moments where God's like saying, hello, Moses. 
I'm going to empower you to do it. But what does Moses do? He keeps thinking it's all about him. I can't talk. I don't have enough. I can't. I, like, they would never listen to me. And God's like, see, here's the problem. When you try to do the work of God through your own abilities, you will fail. When you try to do the work of God through his strength and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you will be successful. And here's one of the things that we learned from this, and, and, and I think this is a big one for us. It's found in verse, um, chapter 4, verse 10, and I already kind of mentioned this, but Moses says to the Lord, he says, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. And, and here's, here's the big takeaway that we get from this. Stop bringing up your past. Stop bringing up your past. Stop looking at your past and saying, oh no, this is, this is what I'm struggling with. Stop. Just stop bringing up your past. Isaiah 48, 18 says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. See, every time there's an encounter that someone has with fire, there's a boldness that comes. Every time there's an encounter with fire, there's an empowerment that comes. Isn't it interesting how God always uses our mouth to show his power go forth and to be bold? To declare captive to those who I'm calling to be set free, what's going to have to happen? Moses, you're going to have to speak. Moses still struggles with it, and God's like, okay, fine, I'll use Aaron. And yet God had called Moses to be the one. God has always desired for his people to be people who would not only speak it, but would walk it out. But Moses struggled. And some of us could probably look at it and go, well, why was Moses struggling? I think this is just a real simple way. Moses didn't have the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit had been dwelling inside of Moses, I believe he would have been bold. That's why Peter, and we'll read about that a little bit later, but Peter, one who was, who was literally denying Christ, running kind of in fear from the whole situation, I mean, this whole thing, Peter has, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden he goes from being the guy who won't even say to the little girl by the fire that he knows him, to now being the guy who stands up and says, you guys all think we're drunk, but listen, we're not. The Holy Spirit has come upon us as that of what God has promised. And he begins sharing, and all of a sudden, what happens? In that day, over 3,000 come to know Christ. The church begins in that very moment, from a moment that Peter had what? He had been filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has never been just for you. It has been about being empowered to go and do the work of the ministry that God has called you to. Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, verse 1, they were all together in one place. All to what? They were all together. They're in one place. They're in unity together. They're waiting upon the Lord. It says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Suddenly. Filled. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And then it says this, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What you're seeing here is the inauguration service of the Holy Spirit. This was the beginning of the Holy Spirit working through 
man. There's a sound, there's a wind, there's tongues of fire. But what is the purpose of this moment? It's not so you and I can just feel good, so we can be like, wow, man, this is fantastic. I have the Holy Spirit now. No, you got to go back to Acts 1.8. Just flip right back. And what you'll see here is it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now think about just that phrase, the end of the earth. That seems like an impossible moment. To the end of the earth, no way. There's no way that could happen. Like we, we would look at it and go, okay, the end of the earth, okay, we're going to have to get things out on Facebook. We're going to have to get things out, you know, through the internet. We're going we're gonna to have to fly somewhere. We're going to have to, these people did not have transportation like that and did not have communication methods like that. So how in the world could that ever happen? It would have to be through the Holy Spirit. See, the church was never meant to be a place where you and I would do things alone. Where we would just say, oh, I got the Holy Spirit now. This is for me. It's my friend, the Holy Spirit. And we just hang out every day. That's not what it is. The Holy Spirit was to actually unify people together who had what? Now think about just the significance of people from, with different languages all of a sudden now hearing things in their own language and having that experience, what would happen? There would be unity. There would be unity that would happen. Because why? Because we're better together. If we read on in Acts 2, verse 5, it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews and devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Corinthians, Medes, Malatites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Phyge, Paphili, I'm making a name up right there, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, and Cretans and Arabians. All these different groups, all these different people groups coming together, and here's what it says. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And because of that, the scriptures say, we are all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? So two truths that we need to be reminded of right here. First truth is this. When the church comes together, things change. It's interesting because as we were preparing for this Sunday, or as I was preparing for this Sunday, I was thinking about just the things the Lord's been laying on my heart, and even how in the, in the previous series, When Pigs Fly, we talked about how a pigs fly type moment would be when the church comes to a place of unity. And I know what's hard sometimes is sometimes when a team is being brought to a place of unity, that means people who are disunified do not want to be a part of the unity. And so what happens? People who are disunified many times will be like, ah, peace out, I'm gone. But can I just tell you that's what strengthens a team up is when people come together and say, you know what, I'm going to lay my own preferences aside. I'm going to lay my own thoughts aside. And that doesn't mean that we just walk around like, oh, we're just robots. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are unified together in the spirit of God who say there's a much bigger thing that God is doing here, and so I'm going to trust God in this. And even if I don't even agree with the way Pastor Brian does things, I'm going to believe that God called him here. And guess what? He will answer to God for that. 
That doesn't mean that you've, like if I'm asking you to sin, then yeah, that's ridiculous. If I have a sinful lifestyle or something like that that's happening in my life, then yes, then you should actually call that out and be like, you know what, that's not right. But if it, if it comes down to preference and an idea of how things should go and all of that, that's where we have to trust God in that moment. Listen, there's a weight that unfortunately and fortunately that I get to carry being the pastor. I do believe that there is a higher responsibility to those who are called to full-time ministry that they carry. I believe all of us are full-time ministers. I really do. I believe each and every one of us are. But there is something to be said of when you are leading people and you're equipping people, there's a responsibility, and I believe that we will stand before God one day and we will give account for those as leaders. I really believe that. And so when the church actually comes together, things begin to change. When the church is unified, when the church comes together in unity, things begin to change around us. Notice here, when the church comes to a place of unity, what happens? Everyone is amazed. It says, all were amazed. Everyone is like, what in the world is going on? You know what would happen in Lenaway County if Bethany Assembly would come to a place of unity? Just our local expression. If it could just start here, I believe other people would be amazed. They would be like, oh my goodness. Because you know what many times I hear? Oh, there's drama over at Bethany. Oh, those people, like, like they've been through all these different things. Stop! <laughs> no! Sometimes I just want to be like, listen, listen. We, yes, okay, we have screwed up. We've made mistakes. But God is unifying us together. God has not done, it is not say Ichabod across the doors out there that the presence of God has left. God still wants to use our church and I believe that he has put us in a place to where he desires for us to be unified together and what would happen is, is everyone would be amazed and then it would begin to spread. And we've been talking about what could it look like if the churches were unified together, if it wasn't about, hey, please come to Bethany, make our church great. No, let's see all the churches become great. If you keep reading there in Acts, you'll see Peter then begins speaking and 3,000 people come to know Christ. Here's this guy who, who remember we had mentioned two months earlier, he's running away in fear. He's denied Christ and now he's boldly proclaiming the gospel. The church in Jerusalem grew from a small group of 120 to now a freshly harvested body numbering in the thousands on one day because one encounter with Jesus can change everything. In one day, more than 14 ethnic groups heard the gospel message in their native dialect. And since that day, since that day, nothing has been the same. Daily, the scriptures say, from that point on, people were being added to the church. See, the Holy Spirit wants us to join together. The Holy Spirit wants us to join together together. You see, when we come to the salvation moment where we encounter Jesus, listen, the Spirit of God is received. John 20 says it this way, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. That's all before Acts 2. That is this regeneration experience, this moment where you and I are regenerated in the presence of God, where God comes in and we have this experience in which the Spirit comes alive and enlivens us 
to now become sons and daughters of the king. You and I become a part. We're adopted into the family of God. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is, is that we would then be witnesses to that encounter that happened. That we would literally be talking to people and be like, man, listen, my life has completely changed because I had an encounter with Jesus. I'm now a son and daughter of the king, and I'm telling you, it is the greatest experience that has ever happened in my life. Now, it doesn't mean life is perfect. It doesn't mean that, that I won't go through struggles, but here's the thing. Going through any struggle, I know that I'm not walking through it alone. And we can trust God in that. And we can be bold and proclaim God. There are so many different ways that, that, that boldness kind of presents itself. And, and I would say one of the ways that it presents itself is you and I are actually called to be different. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you're different. I don't know why we always giggle a little bit when that happens. But, but we're all different. I'm different, you're different, each and every one of us are different. It's, it's funny because in a moment like this, we can look at somebody and we can, we can kind of giggle and say, it's, it's, it's funny that you're different, and we're okay with that difference. But then all of a sudden, when culture begins to push back on us and say, you're different, you think differently, we somehow think that we got to become more like culture to influence culture than instead of standing upon the things we know and saying to culture around us, it's okay for us to be different. I shouldn't watch the same things culture's watching. I shouldn't talk the same way that culture's talking. I'm different. I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. I don't run around on my wife. I'm different. I'm, I'm called to be different. Culture around you, you know, says all this stuff about open relationships. I was following this guy for a while, and I was liking some of the things he was talking. He was talking about self-discipline and everything. And then all of a sudden, he does this post one day, and it's all about how he's in an open relationship. And I'm like, what in the world is an open relationship? And then he's like, we're just open to be with whoever we want to be. We're committed to each other. But, but we can have sexual experiences with other people. It's no big deal. And he, he's like, it really, it really tests your relationship. I'm like, you think? <laughs> he's like, it's really hard for me because sometimes jealousy rises up. And I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> but culture around us is trying to push that, you know, like being committed to one person and staying committed to them your whole life. Well, that's weird. You mean if things get hard, you just, don't, you, don't, you just don't run out of the courthouse? No. Do you know how many times Kasha and I would have given up long ago if we just gave in to the way that we feel? Sometimes we have to actually look down at our fingers and go, yep, yep, we in this. We in this thing together. We're different. Sometimes she don't like me. Sometimes I don't like her, and that's hard, but it's true. Sometimes, but you know what? We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and what has happened is the Holy Spirit has brought us together to begin to look past some of our differences and to begin to have understanding in those moments. There is something about a, body, a, a relationship, a marriage, where both people are serving the Lord, where both people are empowered with the Holy Spirit that changes things. 
we're better together. The Holy Spirit desires to be activated in your life. I love how our former superintendent, George Wood, he described this idea of joining together with the Holy Spirit. And I have him on slide so you can kind of follow along. But he says this, he says, I was one of those believers who had this great delay between my conversion and the experience of they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. He says, various advice was given to me in regard to receiving the charismatic empowerment of the Spirit. I tried to talk myself into a state of nirvana where I would pass into the unseen world of ecstasy out out of one's being or out of one's mind. He says, it was so neat that one night I began quietly to worship the Lord and by speaking in the language that the Spirit was given me to utter. And as I began to give over, I had several impressions. God was not knocking me over. Because don't we have all these weird ideas of what's going to happen in that moment? I mean, if you've grown up in a Pentecostal church at all, like, or you've been to some of our Pentecostal churches, there's just, there's some weird moments that happen. Listen, I understand when people are overcome with the presence of the Lord and they fall out in the Spirit. Now listen, they're not slain in the Spirit. If they're slain in the Spirit, they'd be dead. They wouldn't get back up. But they fall out in the Spirit and they, and they, they fall out. Sometimes, like literally, the presence of God is so, so over, over, how would you, overwhelming that literally it's like I, my, your body physically doesn't know what to do, boom, and you're out. I've seen that moment. But can I just say it's still weird? It's weird. It's weird when someone walks along a line of people and they're all sitting there and he goes, and people, whoa, whoa, and people are falling. That's weird. It's weird when someone goes over and they're praying for someone and they start barking like a dog. That's really weird. Sometimes I just wonder in some of those moments, it's like, so then what happens is we hear about moments like that and we go, ooh. Holy Spirit, empowerment, Pentecostal, no, that's crazy. You, you may be sitting here and someone said, oh, don't go to Bethany. They got chandeliers and they swing from them. <laughs> there ain't no chandeliers in here. There ain't no Jericho march going on. Like, so, so what happens is, is we get these ideas of how it should be, and that's what George's talking about. He's talking about how he had all these ideas that somehow would knock me over. It, and he goes, I wasn't rolling over. Second, he says, I'm conscious. I know where I'm at, and that was going along with the great joy and the liberation of my spirit. He, it, it wasn't like this place of nirvana where he didn't even know what was even happening. It's not. He said, the third thing I recognized was in my heart I had this language all the time. Interesting. I just never gave utterance to it. And I believe that for many of us in this room, the Holy Spirit is there. That prayer language is there. You have a relationship with Christ. It's it's just right there. It just hasn't been activated. And my prayer is, is that this week that you would wait on the Lord. And that as you wait on the Lord, like those throughout the book of Acts did, that what would happen is, is that the Holy Spirit would activate that prayer language in your life. I think of a dear friend of mine. Um, you, you would know him if I said him by name, but I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna call him out like that. But I remember he'd been seeking the Holy Spirit for quite some time. His kids received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he had not yet. And he was, 
he was kept asking the Lord for that, kept asking the Lord for that. And, and I remember all of a sudden when he actually received that, and he's like, dude, it changed my life. Like, I can't, I can't even stop. Like, it's like, it's just a part of me. It's like I'm praying for my kids, and all of a sudden I just, I go into my heavenly prayer language. He's like, boom. And it's like, it just, it, it, there's this empowerment. Yes, 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 yes. That's exactly what happens. Is that the Holy Spirit comes upon us and empowers us to where we begin to recognize that we are better together. See, the enemy wants to isolate you. The enemy wants to take you out of it. The enemy wants to take you away from God, take you away from the presence of God. He wants you to think that no one cares for you. He wants you to think there's no hope. He wants you to think that you're just not good enough to receive it. He wants you to think that you could even be like God sometimes. He's like, well, you could be like him. That's been his attack from the very beginning. You could just somehow inside of you, like deep down inside of you, is like this inner God inside of you. Just discover it. No. No, that's not... No, what God is doing is God is empowering his people to then go out and to do the work of the ministry. When the people of God come together, our lives begin to change. The day of Pentecost was a day when people unified together. God's presence was known and felt by all. It's the same thing that the, Eze- the prophet Ezekiel had said, a new spirit I will put within you. A new spirit I will put within you. Together they're praising the Lord. They're having the favor of the Lord. They're having these moments with the Holy Spirit. And God is saying, these are the people that I've called and desire to use. Today, here in a few moments, we're going to celebrate a time of of baptism where people are going to go public for Jesus and they're going to and we're going to cheer and we're going to be excited because people are are saying, Hey, I'm I'm giving to Christ everything, and that's awesome. But here's what I want you to recognize and remember is this is that what God has for you today is an empowering of the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost was all about the birth of the church, but also about the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment this morning. I wonder how many of us this morning would be here in this room and sitting here and you would be thinking, you know, Pastor Brian, that's great. It's great to hear you talk about the Holy Spirit. But maybe right now you find yourself far from the Lord. And your question today is not a question of empowerment. But it's really a question of where do I start? Maybe you've heard some of these truths, but literally right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. It's actually kind of hard right now because you're trying to figure out what's actually happening. Trying to figure out whether this is even real. But the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart. So the question of where do I even begin begins to rise up inside of you because you're struggling. In fact, there's some circumstances going on in your life right now that you're really struggling with and they're causing you to doubt. 
God right now is saying to you, listen, I love you. I have a plan, a desire to meet with you, and not just in this moment, but every moment, that I am as close as the mention of my name. God is reaching out to you right now, and he's saying, I'm crazy, madly in love with you, and desire a personal relationship with you, more than religion, a relationship. And he's saying, I desire to meet with you today. And I've asked you to close your eyes for just a moment this morning. Because there's a moment that I believe that God desires to meet with you right now. The word of God tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus has a gift, salvation, forgiveness of sin. He died on the cross so you could receive that. But the key to it is that you have to receive it. You have to accept it. And God right now is, in this moment, reaching out to you like he has every other moment. And he's saying, listen, I have this gift. Will you receive it? But right now, the the presence of God is here in this room. and, And you can sense it. You can feel it. And the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, this is for you. And whether it's just one or many, it doesn't matter. God would leave the 99 to just go after the one. So maybe it is just one. Or maybe it's many. And today you would say, you know what? I need to surrender to him. I desire a personal relationship with him. I know how to pray a real simple prayer with you that we believe will help begin that journey with him. And we'd love to talk with you and pray with you after the gathering. But... But just for right now, if you'd say, you know what, that's me. I find myself far from Christ right now, and I, I want to receive him. I, I want to receive that gift. If that's you, real quickly, would you just raise your hand? you just say, that's me right now. you just say, that's me. Thank you. I see that hand. else that would join them. Just say, that's me. I want us to pray right now. It's interesting how God many times will just, for one, (laughs) Father, we pray right now that you would meet right now in this moment. And I pray, God, that in this moment, God, in this prayer, this moment of receiving, God, that you would change a life. They would never be the same again. God, we join together as a church, church body, and we pray, God, for this encounter, this one. And we just pray, God, that in this moment, it would be a life-changing moment that would, would change their life from this moment forward. I want us to all to repeat with me, if you would, and join along with this one. Would you say, Jesus, right now, I accept your gift. Forgive me of my sin. Change my life. From this moment forward, I will not be the same because you're living in me. I thank you for loving me. Now from this day forward, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. 
I know I won't do it by myself because you're living in me. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.